We're going on a journey through the life of Christ, his ministry. And if you remember where we were last time, we were in Caesarea Philippi, right? Okay. After, I'm going to talk a little bit here in a minute, after a little bit, about another journey Jesus took to a mountain right near there. Okay? But I want to start with, when Dory and I first came to Hong Kong in 06, 07, it wasn't long after we started attending here that we heard about a thing called the Ox, I can always get it wrong, Ox Fan Fam Trail Walker. And uh, it was going to happen in November, going on the Maclehose Trail, and I couldn't believe what I heard. It's like, 100K hike? No stopping in the middle to sleep? I had to do it if you wanted to, qual- you know, you had to make it within 48 hours, right? And uh, it was unbelievable. It's like, what? And so I talked to some of the others because that year actually there were two teams of people doing the Oxfam Trail Walker from our church, two teams of people from our church. Those that, of you who have been here as long as I or a little longer, you'll recognize everybody in those pictures. Well, it was interesting to find out how they had to have a sport team. They had to have this and that and the other thing. Of course, plenty of water, a uh, bunch of stuff in their backpacks, and they had to have good hiking shoes, right? Shoes, if the shoes were bad, you're in trouble. You aren't going to make 100K. And uh, so I learned a bit about that. Interestingly, this goes among the highest mountains in Hong Kong. The highest one is, what is it? Daimoshan. Yeah. I can always, it gets my Mandarin uh, accents on it. But uh, went among the highest peaks. Well, it's interesting because when Jesus approached the latter part of his ministry, after, you know, the, the stuff we heard last week, he took three of his disciples, four, how about that, just like the, Mac, just like the Ox fam, four of them, they went up this huge mountain, Mount Hermon, most likely. We don't know for sure, but it's probably that one. And this is the tallest mountain in all of Judea, in the whole Palestine area, about over 2,200 meters high. That's over twice the height of Daimoshan. Daimoshan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mandarin sounds better. Well, the thing was, was Jesus took them up that mountain. It was a grueling hike, just like here. But when they got to the top, top what happened? Jesus was transformed before the, these three disciples And Moses and Elijah appeared on the mountain. Jesus appeared in all his glory. They saw Jesus in all his glory. Wow, what a terrific experience. And then they made that long, grueling trip back down from the mountain. Well, after they got off the mountain, uh, the other disciples joined them, and Jesus began to do some more teaching. In fact, this latter part after you know, what was shared last week. That whole time after that, Jesus focused on teaching his disciples. And they got into deeper and deeper teaching. And one of those 
things is the thing we're going to talk about today. So after they'd gone through, the four of them had some challenging physical terrain to travel through. Jesus took them on an a equally grueling spiritual journey. And in this journey, as he taught all these things, some of it was hard for the disciples to understand or accept. And one of those things is what we want to talk about today. So it's not going to be easy for some of the things we talk about today, but it's worth the destination. And so I would like to ask you to you know, put on your spiritual hiking shoes and let's look at this passage of Scripture together, okay? Because what we're looking at today, it's one critical thing that if you don't see it in relationships, it's something that can either, if it's done or not done, it can make or break a marriage, it can make or break a family, make or break friendship, and even a church. It's fundamental this is important. It's fundamental to our Christian identity. It's something we need to live and practice as Christians. And if we neglect this spiritual practice, it can have some serious consequences for us in our lives. But the thing is, is that if we do what God tells us to do in this passage, we're going to have immense benefits. And that's why I would like us to look at this passage today and to talk about this important spiritual discipline of forgiveness. And Dory, will you come, my Dory, come and read the scripture for us today. <laughs> and I want you to keep this passage on your cell phone or on, in your Bible. We're going to look at it together. Let's read God's word together. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient me with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. 
Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. That sounds a little tough, doesn't it? Sounds a little tough. We're going through some tough spiritual terrain today, so please listen carefully, not just to my words, but to the, the words of the Holy Spirit in your heart, okay? Let's pray. Lord God, we want to lift up this time to you. Thank you so much for the, the earlier time that we had where we could sing praises to you and remember your love, your mercy, your grace in our lives. Lord God, I pray that as we look at this passage and and consider the topic of forgiveness today, you would lead and direct as well. Speak to us. Help us to have open hearts willing to listen to your voice, hearts that are willing to listen and obey. And thank you, Lord, for your love and your mercy. And we pray for that to be shed in our hearts today as we look at this passage. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. Well, there was a little boy, and before bedtime, he always, his mother always said, uh, said a prayer with him. You know, she would pray, he would pray, and every night when he prayed, he'd pray for his family. Well, this night, this one night when he prayed, he prayed for mom and dad, but he, when he got to the end, his mom said, you didn't pray for Johnny. Why didn't you pray for your brother? And he said, he said, well, don't you remember what Jesus said? He said that we're supposed to forgive our enemies. But Johnny's not my enemy. He's my brother. Um, I know it's kind of a funny story. But the thing is, is that... Um, for many of us as Christians, why, why, didn't he want, why didn't he pray for Johnny? Who knows? He didn't want to forgive him, evidently. You know, there's something there. For those of us, you know, in this room today, you know, there can be many, many different reasons why we might find it hard to forgive someone. Uh, sometimes it's because we've been hurt really, really deeply. And it's, it's just too hard to forgive. Uh, other times, it's just, it's not fair. What they did to me, you know, they need to be punished. I don't want to forgive them. I want to punish them by not forgiving them. But for others, uh, the problem can be that they, they fear what, might, what forgiving might cost them. Uh, we could get into all sorts of different reasons uh, uh, why people don't forgive. One of those reasons is sometimes people don't fully understand what forgiveness is all about. They misunderstand forgiveness. And so today I want to have us begin our journey. We're talking about journeys all morning. This morning I want us to begin our journey on forgiveness by looking at what is forgiveness. What does it mean to forgive? And the best way to start is by what is forgiveness What is it? What isn't forgiveness? Okay, we'll go through this part fast. 
Uh, but forgiveness is not minimizing the hurt or the seriousness of the offense. It's not forgiving, minimizing the hurt. It's acknowledging the offense and the pain. Acknowledging it. They wronged you, and it hurt. Maybe hurt a lot. Okay, what else? It's not excusing their behavior. Okay? It's not pretending it never happened. It happened. It happened. You were hurt, maybe, maybe a lot. Well, it's, it's not excusing the behavior, but it's acknowledging that they incurred a debt. They owe you something, right? That forgiveness, this is part of forgiveness. They owe you something. They owe you something. An apology at the least, and preferably, usually, we would say preferably that they would right the wrong. Well, what else? The thing is, is that forgiveness is not conditional. Though they incurred a debt, the thing is, is that when I forgive them, I'm not demanding that they first do some things, meet certain requirements I have before I forgive them. It's not that. Instead, it's releasing them from their debt. It's releasing them from their debt. Choosing not to hold it against them anymore. Well, that's not fair, is it? Well, let's look some more. It is not forgetting about what happened. Now, God, when he forgives our sins, he casts them into the deepest sea. He forgets them. We're not God. We're not God. And God does not expect us. Nowhere in Scripture does God say we have to forget after we forgive. God does, but not us. They like forgive, uh, forget, uh, get it right here. Forgive and forget. That's not what I would say. I don't like that thing. We don't forgive and forget. What we do is we forgive and let go. We forgive and let go. Oops. We choose not to hold it against them. We choose not to hold it against them. We intentionally let go of our anger, our bitterness, our resentment. Choosing to do this. But for, we have to remember, forgiving does not necessarily mean we will trust them again. You don't, if you forgive somebody, it doesn't mean I've got to trust you. If, if a spouse is a, a husband is abusing a wife, she forgives him, it doesn't mean she has to let him keep doing it. It doesn't mean trusting them again. But what it means is that just trust must be earned. Forgiveness is given, but trust has to be earned. And when, sometimes people really get this part mixed up. I know for me there was a, a, a good point length of time when I got this mixed up. I could forgive, but I couldn't trust, and so it's like, I don't want to forgive because I can't trust. Uh, forgiveness is saying trust still has to be earned. Trust also is not instant emotional healing. I think all of us recognize that. What's happening? Oh, forgiveness. 
Sometimes when I say the wrong word, just put in the word forgiveness, okay? <laughs> forgiveness is not instant emotional healing. But it's, it, it's oftentimes the necessary first step towards healing. We have to realize that sometimes, depending on how deep we were hurt by someone who offended us, someone who sinned against us, it can take a long time to get over that hurt and that pain. And so getting rid of that bitterness and resentment or whatever, that also is a process. The biggest question is, am I getting better? Am I getting better, you know, in terms of that healing? Well, the big thing is, is that forgiveness is not a feeling. There's no way we're going to feel our way into forgiveness. I, I've never experienced that myself anyway. Forgiveness is a decision, a conscious decision. So the thing is, is that how do we begin to forgive someone? We, we feel our way in, we, we act our way into feeling rather than feeling our way into acting. So it's just a, something we've got to do, something I've got to do. And forgiveness really, when you get right down to it, it's an act of obedience to God, trusting God to bring the needed emotional healing and freedom that we need. That's what God's wanting to do. When someone, when someone hurts us, God wants to deliver us of that hurt. And how can he do that? The only way he can do that is by us forgiving the other person. He wants us to have healing. He wants us to have healing. And so, this is a definition that I feel is a, a good biblical definition of forgiveness. And that's a deliberate decision, conscious, deliberate decision, to release the offender from their debt to you and release your feelings of anger, bitterness, and resentment and vengeance toward them for hurting you. Releasing those feelings to God, asking God to help. And you do this regardless of whether they deserve your forgiveness or not. Is that quite a, quite a job to do? It can be a, a really tough thing to do. But uh, I'm certain here there have been many, I, probably most everybody here has forgiven someone in the past and have seen how God can help, help you with that. But what do you do when it's too hard to deal with? Well, the biggest thing with forgiveness is it has to start in our heart. The goal in the passage that we read today, Jesus said we have to forgive people from our heart. It needs to begin in the heart. The thing is, is that in most situations, we don't have to say it face-to-face with another person until or unless they approach us and ask for forgiveness. That's something that people sometimes uh, get a little mixed up on, too. Uh, There's an occasional time when God is leading in a strong way to do that, but generally, if they're not ready, and generally they're not ready if they haven't come to you, you know, It's best to just wait, to say it to them face to face. But 
even when we say it in our heart, when, when we've changed, when we've forgiven them in our heart, it can have a great impact on them. We'll see that in a moment. Well, we need to move on here. We don't have all day. So what's the next question to consider? And that's, why forgive others? Why forgive others? And really, the, the biggest thing is because God commands us to do that. In the Bible, many places in the Bible, uh, Jesus said once, he said, forgive and you will be forgiven. And here, for if you give other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father, referring to God, will not forgive your sins. Wow. So, in our passage today, it actually takes this, you know, it says the same thing, but he says, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you, like how that king treated the, the first, wick, that wicked servant who did not forgive the other servant his, his debt. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Is that tough? I tell you, I would just as soon kind of, let's, let's leave this for another pastor to preach on, okay? <laughs> uh, this is tough stuff to do, yeah, really tough. But yet, it's something we need to know. It's something we need to know. Well, the thing is, is does that mean if I don't forgive somebody, I've lost my salvation? No, that's right. That's right. Why? God has already, for, when, we, when we come to Jesus Christ, asking him, confessing our sins, asking him to forgive us, what happens? The past, present, and future are really forgiven. Well, past and present. Future, we have to continually do the future. What happens, but what happens here with forgiveness is, yeah, if we've already accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, it doesn't affect our salvation, but it does affect our future relationship with God, because if we don't forgive somebody, beginning right then, this is hard for me to believe and accept, but this is what the Bible says. You know, beginning from, from the point I, I'm unwilling to forgive someone, that affects my relationship with God. In fact, according to this, God is putting on hold the forgiving of my sin until I finally forgive that person. That's what the, is that what the Bible says? I see one nod. I saw Sydney over there nodding. It's what the Bible says. Tough. This is a tough journey we're on. It's a tough thing. But you know what? The one thing I've found with every single command in the Bible, you can come to me if you think there's one that doesn't fit. But every, what, I've, what I've found as I've studied the Bible is that any time God commands us to do something, it's for our good. Would you believe that? When God asks us to do something, it's for our good? Yeah. He, why does God command us to forgive? It's because we don't know all this whole... You know, before Jesus died on the cross for our sins... I'm certain everybody felt Jesus would never rise from the dead. That just never happens. We don't understand all these 
spirit, all, all the spiritual principles upon which our lives and this world are governed. God knows. He knows that he cannot let sin stand in his presence. So when, we're, when we have sin, when we come to him, he's waiting for us to say, Lord, please forgive me for not forgiving that person. Help me to forgive that person. No. Well, the reason God wants us to forgive others is so that we will continue to experience God's forgiveness and also so that we will experience to an even greater level God's blessings he has for us. He wants, Jesus said, I have come to give you life. I'm, I'm going to get it wrong here right now. I have come that you may have abundant life, is what he says. John 10.10. 10. I have come that you may have life, and you may have it to the full. That's what he wants. He knows that we are not going to have a, abundant life if, we've got, if we don't, in our hearts, we can't forgive somebody. He knows that we can't have abundant life when there's bitterness, resentment, anger in our hearts. We can't experience that life. He created us. He knows how, you know, what, what to do in order to have abundant life. And he's letting us know. So this, this is the challenge that we have before us. Well, I want you to think. You know, he commanded us to do this. There's one important benefit is forgiveness just unblocks things in our relationship with God. But another thing is what? It liberates the soul. It liberates the soul. Uh, if you've ever had the experience of, of finding it real, real difficult to forgive a loved one, and then finally the Lord working in your heart, and you go to them and say, Lord, for, and you say, you know, please forgive me for what I did, and we ask the Lord to forgive us. It's just Wonderful to see what God does. He helps take out that bitterness to your loved one, that anger, hate, whatever you've got in there. You know, God, God helps that all go away. So you can, you can have a restored relationship with that person. Wow, that's great. Um, I've started to move ahead of me. Um, due to time, we're not going to watch this video, Okay. Sorry. Um, okay. Well, here we go. Okay. The other thing is, is that it helps, give a, bring a, uh, help, helps us to have healthier, healthier relationships, uh, which you can understand, which you can understand. As God purifies, you know, works in our heart, we, we have to ask him to help us. In everything that I'm sharing about, we have to ask God to help us. There's just no way to do it ourselves, especially when we've been hurt deeply. And, you know, God is willing to do it. Another thing is, is that we become more like Jesus. We become more like Jesus. And then we are able to have an impact on lost people's lives. What happens with unforgiveness is that 
it all, that generally leads to bitterness or resentment. And that resentment or bitterness, it's like, it grows like a cancer in our souls and it eats away, it causes stress, uh, it, it causes all sorts of physical things as well and takes away our joy. And the only treatment for this kind of spiritual cancer is the surgery of forgiveness. That's the only thing. We can ask God to help us, but unless we're willing to forgive, there's little God can do to help us other than show us we need to forgive. But when we forgive others, then the anger, the bitterness, the resentment, and the fear, they begin to drain from our heart and our soul. Just like, you know, if you've had a, a, a deep wound in your skin, and how, as it heals, the pus drains away, especially if you've had, you know, like heart surgery or other things. You know, you need that pus to come out for you to be healed. And that's what God is telling us. You know, I want that bitterness, that anger to come out. Praise God that as we ask him to forgive us for our lack of forgiving someone else, and as we forgive the other in our heart, as we forgive from our heart, it's somehow God's love comes in and it pushes out that bitterness and that anger. So, as I've looked at that and as I've thought about that, just to realize that, wow, there's so much to be benefited, so much to be gained by forgiving another person. Well, today, just a few minutes to look at some practical steps to take. Remember how we said earlier on that forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a what? Decision. Okay, it's a decision, which means that when you make a decision, you, it's a decision, one that you need to act on. You act on it. And so for us, you know, how can we, what do we do? What do we do in order to act on forgiveness to help ourselves? Well, the first thing, the first thing is, is that we need to remember how much God has forgiven us. Let's look again at that story. For many of you, maybe you, that story is real familiar. Well, in Matthew 18, 21 to 35, what happened was that first servant's biggest mistake was that he had forgotten how much he had been forgiven. You know, here he had, he owed, let's use today's money, okay? The money back then, that was the hard, largest number that you could come up with, was a thousand, uh, what did they say, bags of gold? 10,000, 10,000, yeah, 10,000, what they called talents, but uh, bags of gold, okay? That, they, they didn't count beyond 10,000. Now, what, how far can we count? Well, if you actually use the money, you know, exchange rate from that time to Hong Kong dollars, it would be almost $2.5 billion. $2.5 billion. How can that be? That was more than the entire gross domestic product of all the countries in the Palestine area. You know, how, how, you know, Jesus is using this to just show us how, how vast God's forgiveness is of us. Well, this, this first servant, 
you know, here the king, does, you know, he, said, he begs the king to give him time to pay back the money. He, is he ever going to be able to pay it all back? No. Asking for time to pay back the money. What did the king do? He didn't just say, okay, you know, I'll, I'll give you the rest of your life to pay back the money. He was merciful and he just forgave the debt right there and there. And then he said, you're forgiven. You don't have to pay me anything. Well, the servant turns around, leaves, and uh, sees a servant who owes him a hundred denarii, or let's say hundred silver coins. And uh, you know how much that is? In, that, in those days, money. If you were just a real basic laborer working out in a field, you weren't even working for the king, you're just working out in a field, uh, one denarii was what you would get for a day's labor. So it's one day's wages. So 100 denarii, 100 days' wages, right? Um, because this other servant's working at the king's palace, he probably gets a little more money than the guys in the fields. He should probably could pay it back in about a year, two, two tops. But this first servant, why, you know, he just threw him into prison. And what happened, you know, what, why, why did he do this? He had just been forgiven of a huge, you know, immense amount of money, and he did that forgiveness he experienced from the king affect his heart, change him? No, no. And so I think the key thing that's being said here is that the, this first servant, his biggest problem was, was he did not remember how much the king had forgiven him. And Jesus, in this parable, wants us to remember. Remember how much God forgave you. And, you know, for us, it's just a human tendency to minimize our sins and to uh, our sins to God, our sins to others, and to magnify other people's sins against us. It's just a human tendency. And here, you know, Jesus is trying to say, hey, don't get caught by this world's way of thinking, this natural human way of thinking, because this is not God's way. We need to think God's way. We need to think God's way. So the first servant, he's called the wicked servant because he failed to understand the significance of how much he had been forgiven by the king. His heart hadn't really been touched and affected. And for you and me, you know, it's, it's so easy for us to sometimes just take God's forgiveness for granted, what he's done in our lives, and to kind of forget, you know, but the sins we've committed against God, you know, so immense, so many, so many. And the sins that others, you know, pick one person who's sinned against you the most. How many times have they sinned against you? It's interesting when uh, Peter asked Jesus, he said, how many times do I need to forgive my brother? Seven times? You know, he, he thought he was doing great because the rabbi back then, the teachers in Judaism back then, they just said you only had to forgive three times. And Peter, he knows Jesus is very loving, very generous. Jesus is, you know, so much more than them. So he 
doubles it and adds one more, seven. What did Jesus say? Seventy times seven. He's playing with this number seven. You know, he's playing with the number seven. Seven times 70. Some said, is it 70 times 70? Seven, I mean 70 times. The big thing is, is he's saying, it's a whole lot more times than you think. It's a whole lot more times than you think. And, you know, that's what God, you know, other people's sins against us, as harmful and as offensive as they may be to us, they are insignificant compared to our sins against God. And it's so important for us to remember that. And sometimes that'll help us to be more willing to forgive. God's forgiven me for all this junk. With God's help, I'll be able to forgive this other person. Well, this brings us to the next step, and that is remind yourself what forgiveness is and what it isn't. And that's what we just talked about at the, at the beginning of the sermon, you know, the message here. Remind yourself of what forgiveness is and what it isn't. And uh, if you need to, you know, take that handout, if you've written on it, take it home and put it somewhere where you can find it when you need it. And if you're having trouble forgiving someone, it might be good to actually put it on your refrigerator or someplace where, where you'll, you'll see it regularly to help you, to help you to grow and develop in, in, this, in your life. And when you remind yourself what forgiveness is and isn't, it's important to remember that last step. It's a decision, and it's a decision God wants me to act on and do. Uh, then the third thing is to check our heart. At the very end of the passage we read today, it said that this is how our Heavenly Father will treat us if we do not forgive others from our hearts. And so, that's, that's if we're going to forgive from our heart, the big, the big question to ask ourselves then is, we have to check our heart, and the best way is to ask ourselves questions. And one of the questions is, have I re- the ba- basic one, have I, pr- have I really forgiven this person from my heart? Did I really mean it? Did I really mean it? And if you say, I think so, the next question is, have I stopped desiring to get even? Have I stopped desiring that he has to do this or she has to do this? Uh, A third one is to look at your heart and say, am I letting go of my anger and my resentment to this person? Is that bitterness going away? Hebrews 12:15 says, "Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grow up to trouble you, corrupting many." And you know, that's what he's saying. Take care of that bitterness, take care of that anger. Trust me for it. Ask me to help you. I'm willing to help you. Well, how else can you tell that you've forgiven someone? When you think of them, do you get a knot in your stomach? You know, do you have that feeling? Ah. If you do, it might, mean that, it might mean that you haven't forgiven them yet. It might mean, though, that you're still, you're still in the early stages of getting that bitterness and anger out. 
But when, when that happens, just ask the Lord to help you keep a good attitude to the person and to ask the Lord to help you to be merciful. Another step is to pray for them. Pray for them. Um, how do we pray? Well, just look at uh, the beginning of verse 28. It says, bless those who curse you. When praying, there are various things we can pray about. And one of those is to pray for God to bless that person. Ask God, you know, think, think of some, some problem the person's facing, if you know them. You know, and just say, Lord, help them with that problem. Uh, and you know what else we can pray? Lord, use, you know, just work in their heart for them to be more loving and merciful to others. Pray, you know, pray for God to help them. And, and you can pray for God to re- help them repent of their sin, but hopefully you're praying that in a loving manner, not God, do, 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 do. Yeah. So the other thing to pray about is because we want, to, we want to remove that bitterness to say, Lord, help me to see this person like you see them. Help me to see this person like you see them. As someone you love, as someone in need of your mercy, someone in need of forgiveness. So, so just ask God to work in your heart to help you love the person more. The thing is, is that that's good, but one thing that, help, that, that can just help you go to the next level is to, to do good to them. It's not always easy to do good when, to someone who's, who's really hurt you, but he, here it says, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Bless isn't just, bless is like in terms of words maybe, uh, being kind to them, but also in actions, what we do. Sometimes it's helpful. Here it says, if your enemy, and you can say you're, uh, the person who sinned against you, is hungry, feed him or her. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. It'll help us to forgive. It'll help us to be more able to forgive that person from our heart when we start doing these things. And, uh, and interesting here, it says... When you do this, you keep burning coals over their head. That's not meaning they're, they're being convicted of their sin. You know, you're, they're getting, you know, it's like... Duh, duh, duh. Uh, what it is, when he, actually those who have studied this passage carefully, they say what this is, is uh, heaping burning coals over the head. Uh, re, it, it just means God, as we do these things, God, God will be at work in their heart and their life convicting them of their need for him. If, if it was really something that they remember, you know, God can use that. Oh, you know, I was so bad. They, they start feeling guilty. You know, this person that I was so mean to, they're being nice. Uh, it makes them feel guilty. And God can use that in their lives to bring them to himself. That's a lot to demand sometimes, isn't it? But it's a journey that... We all need to go on. It's not an easy journey, but we're not going on it alone. God's going with us. God is going with us. He's there every step of the way. If we ask him to walk with us, he will. And what he has said, he says, my grace is sufficient for you, 
for my power is made perfect in weakness. And it's at times like this, with forgiveness, where, where God is just saying, you know, uh, I rem- every time I think of this, I think of the disciples who said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And with forgiveness, it's like, Lord, I'm trying to forgive, please help me, please help me to forgive even, even, even better. And God, as we ask him to help, he will help us. So the question for you this morning is, where are you at on your journey of forgiveness? Where are you at right now on your journey of forgiveness? There's a guy named Edwin Markham. He's one of, one of the great English poets, Edward Markham. Well, he, he was well-known as a poet. He made money. He invested it. He got he got into his 60s, and he was ready to retire. And what happened? The guy who was managing his money for him embezzled the funds. And what made it even worse, you know, he, anger, bitterness, what made it even worse was, was that this guy who had embezzled the money was a friend. And bitterness consumed his thoughts, his entire being. It just totally took over him his entire life. He kept thinking, I'm in my 60s and I'm broke. Finally, you know, he, he ran out of money, getting close, and he said, I've got to start writing poems again. And so he sat down to write, and he found that nothing, nothing came. It's like, what, what, what? And, and as he was sitting there, he just started drawing circles on the paper instead of writing. Little circles, big circles. And... And he kept saying, I must forgive him. I can't even write. I hate this man so much that it's just destroying my life. I must forgive him. He kept saying that over and over and over again. And then the Lord spoke to him. And he poured out his resentment to the Lord. He just overcome by it. Asked God to cleanse his heart and enable him to forgive that man. And guess what happened? God answered his prayer. God did it. And it was like immediate. And he said it felt like the heavens were opening and a flood came and cleansed his, his heart, his soul, of all that hatred. And then, and then when he, he's still sitting there, he, start, he wanted to write again. And as he started to think of what to write, he saw those circles. He saw those circles, the big ones, the little ones. And the Lord... He ended up writing one of his most famous lines of poetry. And this is what it was. He said, talking about his, his, this other guy, he drew a circle to shut me out. Rebel, heretic, heretic, a thing to flout. But love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle and drew him in. And God used... A, Gave, gave him a lot more poetry and, and you know, enabled him to become even more famous than he had been. Well, he experienced great freedom and joy. And that's what God wants us to experience too. So what about you? Where are you on the journey of forgiveness? Maybe you've, you've been journeying real well. Maybe you're much better than me. You know, you, you've done really well. But, or maybe there's one or two areas where it's like, yeah, Lord, I need your help with this.
Now, where are you at? I'm sure we could hear a lot of stories from different ones here about how God helped you forgive somebody and then what, what the outcome was, how God worked in a marvelous way. But today, you know, as, we were, as we've been looking at this, is there anyone in your life that the Lord spoke to you about saying you need to forgive that person? If so, I want to encourage you to begin to take steps to forgive that person. And what steps will you take today? Okay, let's pray. Lord God, come to you today and thank you, Lord, for forgiving us. Pray that you would fill us with all joy and peace. Help us to uh, trust in you, to live lives of love and forgiveness. Help us always to remember how much you've forgiven us and help us to be merciful like you and to destroy and, and, and to forgive, not destroy, forgive others even when they hurt us badly. May we honor and glorify you with our lives. In Jesus' precious name, amen.